All right, give it up for the guys. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, so much. Well, again, uh, good evening. If you missed my first intro, my name is Sean. Um, uh, I'm really excited um, about this series. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, again, we're in this new series called The Power to Change. We're in week three, uh, which actually makes us halfway through it. I guess this is uh, the middle. Um, but let me start by uh, asking you a question. Um, I know we, we've talked about New Year's resolutions. We've kind of given up on those, right? Uh, but let's, let's think about this. How many of you hope to change something in your life? Something specific. You hope to change. Yeah, you can raise your hands. You hope to change something specific in your life, right? Um, the, you know, maybe for some of you, uh, you hope to get out of debt this year. Like you've been just dragged down by debt. You're tired of it. You just hope to get out of debt. Maybe for some of you, uh, you, wanna, uh, you hope to improve your marriage. Uh, I hope some of you are hoping to improve your marriage. That would be awesome. Uh, and some of you, maybe you're hoping to get physically fit or get healthier. Uh, you're hoping uh, to, to just change some very specific things in your life. Um, and, and let's acknowledge that hope is good, isn't it, right? Um, everyone needs hope. So why don't you turn to someone and say, hope is good. Hope is good, right? We all need hope, right? In fact, it's really, it's a hard thing to go through life without hope. Um, but here's what, what, I, what I want to encourage you with uh, tonight, and this is kind of the big idea. Um, hope alone won't change your life, right? Hope alone. You can hope all you want to get out of debt, uh, to get sober, to get healthy. You can hope all you want, uh, but hope alone won't change your life. But what will change your life are habits, right? Habits will change your life. Um, now, it's really important to hope, right? We, we need to have hope in life. It would be miserable going through life without hope. But hope alone won't change your life, but habits will. Um, so let me try to illustrate this. Let me uh, um, ask you something just for fun. Play along with me. Uh, how many of you can remember what you did on Monday, this past Monday, what you did Monday morning? right? Raise your hands. Do you remember what you did Monday morning? First thing you, yeah, most of us can remember. You know why? Because what you did Monday morning is probably the same thing that you did on Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Thursday morning when you got up, right? Because we all kind of have a morning ritual. We wake up. I don't know what yours looks like, uh, but maybe the alarm goes off uh, and you get out of bed. If you're like me, you hit snooze a few times, right? And then you get out of bed and then, uh, then maybe you go brush your teeth. Um, you know, hopefully you go brush your teeth because that's just kind to your other people around you. Uh, you brush your teeth. Uh, you maybe do whatever you do in the bathroom, your kind of morning, kind of, you know, like cleanly hygiene routine. And then maybe you go downstairs, right? You go downstairs or go into the kitchen and you make yourself a cup of coffee or a, a cup of tea. Uh, and that's probably a whole ritual in itself is, you know, some of you are really into your coffee and the way you do that, that's a whole thing. Uh, and, and then maybe uh, you, you go to the kitchen table or your favorite chair or your little corner of your yard and you sit down and and uh, you drink your coffee, your tea, or your juice, whatever you have, and you pull out your phone and you start flipping through the news feed or Instagram or whatever it is. Some of you are more spiritual, like you actually uh, you know, spend some time with Jesus then. That's, you know, some of you do that. That's good. Like you'll take your, your Bible app or your Bible and you might read a few things. And then, and then what do you do? Like you, you probably know. you got your thing. You do it all the time. You maybe make yourself something to eat, maybe cook breakfast for the family, pack some lunch for the kids, and then you get the kids into the car or you drive to work. Um, and chances are uh, you, you just drove to work on autopilot. Like you don't even remember the, the drive, right? Because you do it every day. Like it's the same drive like you'll do if you go to work or you take the kids to school, which is kind of terrifying when you think about it. Have you ever kind of got somewhere and you can't really remember the details of how you got there? That's kind of terrifying, you know, because you do, just do it on autopilot, right? 
And so uh, the things that we do uh, daily, um, we, we do, a lot of the things we do are out of habit. In fact, there was a recent study that said 40%, over 40% of the things that we do on a daily basis are not done based on conscious decisions, but are done based on habits that we do, just routines, things that we just uh, do habitually. Um, so here's the point, right? If you want to change your life, you have to change your habits, Right? If you're sick and tired of just kind of getting, like your life is stuck and you're sick of being in debt or sick of being overweight or sick of being unhealthy or sick of whatever it is that you're hoping to change, right? Hope alone is not going to do it for you, right? Hope is good. You need hope, right? But hope alone won't do it. But your habits will because most of what governs your life is done out of habits, right? And so uh, we're in this series called The Power to Change. It's based on Craig Rochelle's book, uh, the same title. Actually, we have a few more copies in the, um, outside at the Connect table. So if you want one, you better get them soon. They've been going out fast. Uh, you can find it on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Uh, but this week, we're, uh, we're going to talk about holy habits. Someone say holy habits. Holy habits, right? And so let's just take a minute. We'll pause, we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Um, that our hope is in you, Lord, um, and that our hope is so good, and you have given us so much reason to hope. Uh, but, Lord, the reality is that hope alone is not what's going to change us. Um, it, it's the things that we do. It's kind of hope put into action. And so, Lord, I pray for every one of my friends, my family members here, Lord. I pray that uh, you would speak to us, that you would use my words, uh, perhaps even despite my words, to just inspire us, to bring us into or give us a vision of the people that you want us to become. And then, Lord, as your power works through us, give us the tools that we need to become the people uh, that you have created us to be. I pray for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today I want to look at the power of habits. Um, and what I want to look at is, is how specifically just one small holy habit has the power to radically change your life. And to illustrate this, I want to look at a story uh, in the Old Testament uh, in the book of Daniel. So we're going to be in uh, Daniel chapter 6. Um, I'll read a few verses prior to that just to set the context. Uh, we'll, these verses will be up on the screen. Uh, but Daniel chapter 6 is where we'll kind of, uh, we'll kind of drill down on. Uh, let me give you a little bit of the context of the story of Daniel. Some of you might know this if you know Daniel's story. Um, around 587 B.C., the Babylonians, which were kind of like a superpower in the ancient world, um, they uh, come down and they invade the southern kingdom of Judea. And uh, the Babylonians were brutal in warfare at that time. They came in. Uh, they absolutely destroyed the temple, which was the center of Jewish worship. It was a real uh, central place of, of, of their identity and who they were as a people. It was sounding around about that temple worship. Uh, the Babylonians, under Nebuchadnezzar destroy the temple. They burn the city walls. They kill tens and thousands of Jewish people. And then they take the very best of the best of the young men uh, into captivity, and they take them off to Babylon. And there in Babylon, um, they, they begin to indoctrinate them in the ways of um, the Babylonian kingdom, the, the language, the religious um, uh, culture, all those things. They begin to indoctrinate these young men. And one of those young men um, that were taken into captivity at the time was this young man named Daniel. 
And so like all the others, Daniel is forcefully taken from his home, taken out of his culture, away from his faith, um, and he is then kind of indoctrinated by this pagan worldview um, uh, under the, 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 the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so uh, here's our guy Daniel, right? He's basically a prisoner, a captive, under the control of an incredibly powerful king. He has very little or, you know, agency of his own life, so uh, very little control over his own life. So you can't imagine like Daniel has a lot of chances of becoming the man that God intended him to be. Um, but with the little agency that Daniel did have, uh, he used that to establish some very powerful habits in his life. And so um, as the story goes on, some years pass, and Nebuchadnezzar the king has uh, this series of kind of weird, strange dreams. And so Nebuchadnezzar summons all his wise men, his astrologers, his magicians, in to interpret the dream for him. None of them can make any sense of it. And then word gets out that Daniel has this ability, um, this, this gift um, from God to interpret dreams. Um, and so Daniel is brought before King Nebuchadnezzar, and he is able to interpret uh, the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar is blown away. And so we'll pick up kind of the story in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. It says, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. And then the king practiced, uh, placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. Right? Um, so kind of a crazy story, like this guy who comes as a captive, basically as a slave into the Babylonian kingdom. Some years later, uh, he is now elevated to this incredibly powerful position. And, and you got to just wonder, like, what was it about Daniel, right? Uh, that, that, uh, that, that, that God was able to do something so audacious and so powerful um, in and through his life, right? Um, so what was it about Daniel? And I would submit to you, um, the answer is really simple. Um, that God was able to do some really big things as a result of some really small habits that Daniel put in place in his life. And so kind of let me give you the rest of the story as we kind of go on. Um, um, so Daniel is promoted up into this high position, and all the other Babylonian officials, they become jealous of Daniel because you know, now he's the one who's kind of in charge and put in charge over all of them. And so there's a lot of jealousy, a lot of rivalry going on. And so they look to take Daniel down. Daniel's been promoted. They want to get Daniel canceled. And so they start looking for dirt on Daniel. And uh, they, they are convinced that Daniel's got to have some kind of character flaw or some kind of weakness that they can exploit and then kind of reveal that to the king, and the king will demote him. And so they do their best to try to find some dirt on Daniel. They delve into his life, but there's nothing to be found. Why? Because Daniel was a man of integrity, right? This is kind of what God wants for you men. Let me speak to you men. This is what God wants for us, right? But what we see on the outside is what happens on the inside, right? There's integrity. Like what your public life is the same as your private life. You're not doing things uh, in private that you're embarrassed about in public. Like Daniel was a man of integrity. That was, that was his heart. Um, and so there was no discrepancy in his life, no inconsistency. Um, and so... And we're told um, in, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Finally, this man said, all right, he's, they say, We will never find any basis to charge against this man, Daniel, unless, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Like they're going like, okay, we can't find anything in his personal life, so let's trap him in his religion, right, in his faith. 
all right? Uh, something to do with his law of God. Let, let's kind of set a trap for him. And so that's exactly what they do. Um, so, so they go to King Nebuchadnezzar, um, and they say to the king, um, King, you should issue an edict to enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, because Nebuchadnezzar was a man who was filled with pride, who kind of believed himself to be kind of like God, which is really the sin of the human heart, right? That's kind of all our issue. Like, we, we all want to be like God um, and be gods of our own life. So Nebuchadnezzar, like all of us, uh, had that tendency. And so because of his pride, he allows that to happen. He says, okay, well, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and so what we're about to see is that the one holy habit that shaped Daniel's life um, um, into the man that he wants to be. God is going to use this in a very powerful way. He's going to do something very dramatic uh, in the life of Daniel. And so we read in the text, watch for it, see if you can notice the habit. Uh, in, in chapter uh, 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 6, verse 10, it says this, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Do you see the habit? Three times a day, he, got, he, got, he goes to this window uh, that's open to Jerusalem. He gets down on his knees. He prays, giving thanks to God, as he had always done before, right? So this was a habit. Daniel did this on a regularly consistent basis. He was strategic about it, and he was intentional about it. Three times a day, right? He would go into his room, go to the window that was facing Jerusalem. He would get down on his knees. He would pray, giving thanks to his God as he had done before. Like this one small habit, right, will, will be used by God in an incredibly powerful way. Uh, so uh, let, let me kind of give you the rest of the story. It's pretty powerful. Um, uh, prayer as a daily habit for Daniel kind of um, what was something that he just did on a regular. So like, and he did it three times a day. So if, if um, you know, people would ask after breakfast, where's Daniel? Oh, you know, Daniel's praying. That's where he is. After lunch, we were like, where's Daniel? Oh, he's praying. After dinner, where's Daniel? He's praying. Everyone knew Daniel's habit, right? It was well known because he did it consistently. He did it regularly. It was a, why? Because it was a Habit it was something he kind of did on autopilot. It was something he just did every day. And so the jealous leaders know this. And so they take uh, this habit, right, and they try to use it against him. They go to the king and say, hey, Daniel, uh, your boy Daniel, uh, he's been praying, right, to his God again. He broke your law, so now deal with him. And now Nebuchadnezzar um, is in a conundrum because he actually likes Daniel right? But because of his pride, he enacted a, a sinful law. And now because of his pride, he doesn't want to look weak. He has to deal with Daniel. He has to enforce the law that he made, even though his heart is really knows that it's an unjust law. And so eventually God is going to deal with Nebuchadnezzar's prideful heart. But that's another story for another time. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar's pride causes him to enact a foolish law. And now he's kind of has to deal with the consequences. So Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And all night long, we read in the text that, that King Nebuchadnezzar is up, kind of just concerned, worrying about Daniel, hoping that somehow Daniel will survive. And the next morning, we're told in verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, I love that, whom you serve continually, that habitual life of prayer was known to the king. He says, continue, being able to rescue you from the lion. And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. 
God sent his angels and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not heard me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. And so, um, you know, it raises a question for us. What was it like that set Daniel apart, right? What, what was it that, that, that gave Daniel the faith to kind of stare down these lions? And the answer is simply this, three times a day, right? Three times a day, Daniel went into his room, he got down on his knees, right? And he prayed. Every day, three times a day, it was a habit. He wove it into the rhythm of his life. And this one powerful holy habit changed the spiritual trajectory of Daniel's entire life. The one habit of seeking God first, not just once a day, but three times a day in a very strategic, intentional way, right? It built Daniel's faith in God. It strengthened his spiritual intimacy with God. It gave him the capacity to hear the voice of God and then follow the direction of God. He was able to follow God's direction, hear his voice because of the intimacy that was developed through this holy habit of prayer. So one powerful habit, right, can change the spiritual directory of your life as well. Um, So here's the point, right, and you can jot this down. Never underestimate what God can do through one small habit of your life. Never underestimate what God can do in your marriage, what God can do in your finances, what God can do in your faith, what God can do in your relationships through one small God-honoring habit that you put in place in your life. And so uh, let's pause there, and I want to kind of just do a little review of where we've been so far uh, in the series because we're kind of building, um, like we're building a building here, and so it's kind of principle upon principle upon principle. So in week one, uh, we laid down this foundational principle. We said real change isn't behavior modification. It is what? Help me out. It is spiritual what? Transformation. So in order for it to be spiritual transformation, it needs to be spiritual, right? And so last week, well, first two weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about um, how a, uh, just a, a worldly or a physical or a kind of just a, uh, an external reason or motivation to change will only get you so far, Right? But, but because it's not simply about behavior modification, we're, we're looking for spiritual transformation. It needs to be spiritual. So it's important to have a spiritual why, right? Uh, the reason you want to get healthy uh, and, and exercise is not just because you want to have a six-pack or look good in a bikini, right? It's because you want to honor God with your body because your body is the temple of God. And so you've you got to pay attention to what you put into it because I want to honor God with body and I want to become the, the husband, the father, the grandfather, hopefully, one day that God is going to make, uh, want me to be. And I can't be that if I'm not healthy, if I don't take care of this body that God has given me. And that spiritual why will take you a lot further than any kind of external motivation just simply to want to have a six-pack or look good in a bikini or whatever reasons you might have, external reasons you might have for wanting to get healthy. Um, and so, uh, you know, we also talked about uh, th- there's also a spiritual how. That, that it's not kind of, it's not God then me. Like, it's not like, you know, God saves me, then leaves me to figure this all out by myself. It's not like God, not me. It's like I relinquish all the responsibility of change to God. But it's God what? We talked about this. God what? Through me, right? The power of God through me. Paul would say to the Philippian church uh, that don't you know, it's, it, it's the power of God at work in you, giving you the will and the desire to do the things that please Him. God is working in you, giving you the will and the desire to live a life to, to please Him, that God's power is surging through you to become the person that, that He has created you to be. So that was week one, that it's not about behavior modification, it's about spiritual transformation. So we need a spiritual reason 
reason why we're changing, why we want to change. Uh, and then week two, Pastor Kuiper, if you were here, talked about the power of identity. And, and, and we talked about how um, the reason you do what you do is because you th- of what you think about you, right? That, that what we think about ourselves or what people have told us about ourselves will oftentimes determine our behaviors and our habits that we create in our lives. So if you want to change what you do, you have to change what you think about you, right? And so that's critically important. So we have a spiritual why, we have a spiritual how, we have a spiritual who, right? It's not what, what you think about you, it's not what people think about you, but it's what God thinks about you, that you are saved, you're redeemed, you're a son of the living God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling in you, right? And that understanding of who you are in Christ is a powerful mechanism for change in our lives. And now we're going to talk about the spiritual what, right? And the spiritual what are the habits that lead us to the outcomes that are most pleasing to God in our lives. So, um, you know, I, I love what Craig, how Craig Grishel in his book describes habits. He says it's behavior on autopilot. That's the reason why you can remember what you did on Wednesday morning and Thursday morning because your brain was working on autopilot. You were just doing things automatically because you've created habits. And that's what a habit is. It's simply behavior on autopilot. So here's a question I want to raise for us to consider um, this, this weekend. Based on who you want to become, right? Based on who you want to become, who God wants you to become, the person that God has called you to become, based on that, What is one habit you need to start in your life? Based on what you want to become and who you want to become, what is one habit that you need to start in your life? Um, For example, if you want to be a loving, engaged mother, if you want to be an attentive, caring husband, if you want to become a spiritual example in your workplace, if you want to become someone who is generous, based on who you want to become, what is one habit you need to start? Um, and here's my encouragement to you as you're thinking about this. Um, it doesn't have to be something huge, right? In fact, I would encourage you, like if this is something that you really believe that God is calling you to become, start small, right? Start like really small. Um, in fact, small incremental changes over time, and we're going to talk about this more in a minute, um, are far more sustainable than trying to have one large big change that you're trying to implement in your life. So start small, but start, right? You need to start. Right, so what is one habit you need to start in or based on, on, on who you want to become, who you know God wants you to become, who you desire to become, the kind of person, more generous, more caring, more thoughtful, healthier, uh, more, more, more diligent and, and disciplined in your, in your devotion. You know, based on what you want to become, what is one habit you want to uh, start? So, um, you know, how does this work, right? Um, you might decide, okay, so I want to be more... Uh, spiritual, right? I just want to. I want to just be more disciplined in the way I approach my spiritual life. I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more often. I, I just want to spend more time uh, in the spiritual discipline. So, uh, based on that, you might decide, okay, I'm going to wake up every morning at 5 p.m. Right? I'm going to wake up every morning at 5 p.m. I'm going to read my Bible for an hour. I'm, I'm going to pray for an hour, um, and, and then I'll get my day started. Right? Um, again, let me encourage you. Just, just. Back it off, right? Just pump the brakes. That's my, th- my thing that Jess just told me today. She's like, she's told me, she said, pump the brakes, Sean. Uh, just step back from that, right? Start small, right? Instead of waking up, you know, two hours early and wanting to read your Bible for an hour and pray for an hour, how about you just do 15 minutes to start, right? Just start small, right? So just wake up 15 minutes earlier, spend 10 minutes uh, reading, five minutes praying, and, and that's a good way to start, right? So start now, but start small, 
Um, and so uh, maybe your decision is just like maybe you can kind of have this little mantra. For some of you, this might be almost impossible, but how about Bible before Facebook in the morning, right? Right, just instead of opening like your Instagram feed or your, your social media feed right away, well, how about you just download a Bible app and you just read five minutes of Bible before you go to Facebook? You know, and, and again, that might be a miracle for some of you, right? Uh, perhaps if you want to start a spiritual legacy with your kids, right? And you go like, well, how do I, this world is so crazy. There's so many things going on. How do I begin to shape my kids spiritually? How about you just, you know, you decide you want to just pray with your kids, and, and so, you know, every night, just, just pray, a short little prayer. You know, thank you, God, for warm, cozy beds. Amen. Like, that's, that's a good place to start, right? Start now, but start something small, right? Maybe you want to be a, ser- a servant leader, right, in your workplace. You, you want to be someone who genuinely cares for the people around you. Um, and, and you go, well, how do I do that? Start now, start small. You know, maybe you just decide, like, once a week, I'm just going to shoot one of my coworkers an encouraging text. You know, so what you did this week, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I see you. You know, or, or, or write a letter. I mean, we don't write letters anymore. Or send an email. You know, just, but, but start, do something. You know, we have to put action around that. Maybe you want to become a healthier person. Um, you know, may, maybe you, you just need to kind of, uh, you want to kind of have a closer relationship with God and his people. What habit, right, do you need to start? Uh, what, what one habit will begin to get you towards becoming the person that God desires you to be, that you want to be? So what habit, right? Um, and so, um, you know, th- there's a lot of scriptures a- about holy habits that we ought to um, think about. The one that I've been kind of considering a lot, and this was something that came up a lot through COVID, was uh, Hebrews, right? Hebrews says this, let's not neglect our meeting together as some of you in the habit of doing, Right? And what happened over COVID, we couldn't meet together, right? And so many people uh, stopped attending church and because we couldn't, right? We, we had to go online. Um, but here's the thing. Um, that lasted for a while. And then we, even when the restrictions were pulled back, so many people, and I'm talking to you guys watching online this weekend, uh, you just decided to stay there. Because it was comfortable, right? It was just comfortable. You got out of bed, uh, you know, a Sunday morning. You got your favorite cup of coffee. You're still in your jammies. You laid on your, you know, maybe even watched from bed. I don't know. Maybe you never got out of bed. You know, and it just got comfortable. And I get it. I understand for some of you that's the only option. Uh, but, but I want to encourage you. Like, there are habits that, that are so important for us in our spiritual growth um, that, that those small habits can radically change the trajectory of our life. And so, like, neglecting this, right, the fellowship of God's people, right, coming together in corporate worship, coming together to sit together under, under God's God, teaching of God's word and fellowshipping together and doing all the one another in person, live, is so integral in developing the, <coughs> the, the kind of people that God wants us to become, right? So, uh, let me just encourage you, those of you watching online, do not neglect, you know, the gathering of God's people as some of you are in the habit of doing, right? There's some habits that uh, we, we, we have that aren't necessarily um, going to help us become the people that God wants us to become. And so the question again is, what habit do you need to start uh, this week perhaps um, that, that will help you become the person that God desires you to be, that you desire you to be? Um, so based on what, what you want to become, what is one habit that you can start? So let's get really practical, all right? Let's talk a little bit about habits and how we begin to kind of establish habits or what, what, what the deal is with habits. 
Every one or every book that I've ever read regarding habits, they always have some form of this. Um, they call it a habit loop or a habit cycle. Um, James Clear wrote a book uh, a couple years ago called Atomic Habits. Great book. Recommended reading if you uh, are interested in it. Um, but, but he has this four-step habit loop, and, and this is how he, he describes it. This is kind of basically how habits are formed in our life. First, he says there's a cue. Now, a cue is a trigger that alerts your brain to kick into autopilot to engage into the habit, right? It's usually something visual, uh, something you see, uh, and once you see it, it creates a desire or a craving. So there's a cue, there's a craving. So the craving is that physical or mental or emotional need uh, that, 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 you're then, that cue then leads you to want to satisfy. Um, and then that is followed by an action or a response, uh, which is the behavior you usually fall into, which, is, which then produces a reward, uh, which is, you know, a dopamine rush or whatever it is because your Instagram little buzzer went off. Uh, it's a sugar rush or an alcohol buzz or maybe just a flush of accomplishments or whatever it is. There's a reward attached to the habit that you have. And so... Um, uh, that, that's kind of the, the loop that we get into that creates habits. So uh, the next time that that cue appears, whatever that little trigger is, look, your brain immediately kicks in and says, hey, buddy, uh, I know a way to make you feel good, right? And so you, you then kind of, then you sit into that, that kind of sits into that craving, that desire, which then uh, elicits a response, uh, and that response then is uh, met with a reward. So cue, craving, response, reward, repeat. That's basically the habit cycle. That's why you do the things that you do. All of the things that you do, whether good or bad, are kind of related some way to that cycle. So um, what I love, what kind of neuroscientists are discovering nowadays, um, the, the, the brother of Jesus, James, wrote about 2,000 years ago. So, so he wrote a little text in Scripture. I'm going to read it to you. See if you can see uh, the habit cycle of the loop. This is what he, and, Paul, and James is, is talking about this in regard to negative habits framed in a spiritual way. But this is what he says. He says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and that sin is the, then is allowed to grow, and it gives birth to death. Do you see the cue there, the, the cycle that happens? Temptation is a cue, whatever it is. You see something, there's a visual cue. That, that cue then kind of elicits a craving or a desire. That desire is then acted out, in this case, uh, as James recalls, in sinful behavior, which then leads to a reward, uh, which is death, right? And so 2,000 years ago, the Scripture was already talking about what neuroscientists are telling us is true today, about the way the brain works in regard to habits. Now, the good news, in the same way as this works with negative habits, it can actually work with good habits. So the same way that bad habits are formed are the same way that good habits are formed. So the key, right, is, is understanding the cycle, this loop that we get. And the first part is understanding the cues, like the triggers. That, that, that set us off, right? So um, again, um, there's, a lot of, there's been a lot of research on this, a lot of studies done. Um, most uh, studies that I've read kind of um, break these cues, these triggers down into five categories. So let me give you the five categories and, and see if you can relate to them in your own life as it regards to the habits, the, the things that you constantly do in your life. The first is physical place. So physical place can be uh, a cue that triggers a habit loop. Um, for instance, you probably find, most people find it easier to, um, to pray and to be spiritual in a gathering like this, right? The physical place. When you gather together in a church building, it's probably far more conducive to the habit of prayer and, and worship and that worshipful mindset. Um, 
just like most of you are probably, you know, kind of, um, you know, led to wanting to smoke weed tonight, right now. However, you know, maybe hanging out in the parking lot, middle of the week with your surf buddies at Hokeeper, maybe the temptation might be greater, right? So, so place is, is a huge cue, right? That, that, that it can really cue uh, some of the habits that we have, whether they're good or bad. Another one is time. Um, time can be a trigger for our habits, right? You may be inspired to exercise in the morning. You may be more tempted to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix and eat Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I think I just let you into my world there a minute. Uh, you know, time, right, can be a trigger. Like the, the time of day can be a trigger for the habits that, 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 that we create in our life. So it's critically important that we understand both time and place in regard to these habit loops. Uh, the other one is mood, right? Mood uh, can be a, a, a cue for cravings, you know, that lead us to behaviors, right? Uh, good moods generally lead to good, good habits, Bad moods generally lead to bad behaviors or bad habits, right? Uh, there's an acronym, I can never say that word right. Thank you. What Liz said. Uh, halt, right? Um, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, right? Uh, you know, most of us, uh, our bad self-destructive habits are, normally occur when we are either Hungry and angry, hangry, right? I'm re I get hangry, like when I'm hungry, that's never like I get irritable, I get, you know, I just don't, it's not normally leads to good uh, behaviors out of that place. Uh, or when, when you're alone, you know, we, we, a lot of bad behavior happens uh, or bad habits occur when you're alone and when you're isolated. Um, and then when you're tired, when you're just feeling worn out, right? I'm tired, I had a really hard day, I'm just gonna, you know, drink a half a bottle of Jack Daniels, it's gonna make me feel better. Right? And so a lot of the, those things, so mood can be a huge trigger to our habits. And then the, the fifth one is people, right? Uh, studies confirm that the people we hang out shape our habits, right? You guys all know that. I don't have to tell you. If you've got teenage kids, you've probably told that, them that. You know, you know, bad company corrupts, you know? So what is that for? Oh, moments. Sorry, moments. So moments are, uh, moments are uh, certain moments can trigger habit loose as well. So for instance, um, you, you have a fight with your spouse or you have a big win or success at work, right? You have a sp fight with your spouse, you're feeling down, and then you kind of accuse you into a, tri uh, it triggers you into a bad habit. Or you have a big win at work, I'm just going to go out and celebrate, and you drink too much and you eat too much. Uh, so moments can as well. So that's number four. And then number five is people, right? And so the people that we, that we surround ourselves with oftentimes uh, can be cues for the habits, um, both good and bad, that we create in our life. Um, Proverbs 13 says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm, right? And so the people that we hang out with, and so for some of you, you just need, you need to recognize that a lot of your behaviors are influenced by the people that you are around, right? Um, you know, if you're struggling with alcohol, you don't want to be hanging out at the stopwatch at 11 o'clock at night. It just, it's not a good environment for you to be in, Right? Uh, so, so, so the environments, the times, the places, the moods, the people, uh, and, and are, are, are these triggers, right, moments in our lives that trigger um, these bad habits. So it's critically important for you to understand the, the drivers, the cues that are, are setting you off in your behaviors, right? So if you want to change what you do, right, you have to change some of your cues, right? You have to change those environments. And for some of you, it means changing the people that you're hanging out with. For some of you, it means changing the places that you're hanging out with. 
For some of you, it's, it's replacing some of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the tendency to, to want to go do something because something has happened in your life, whether it's a fight with your spouse, a negative email you receive from a coworker that triggers those bad behaviors. You have to replace them with some, some more positive ways of, of dealing with some of that emotional stuff. So how do we create new habits? Right? How do we create new habits? Let me offer you two ways, uh, just to be, because for the sake of time, two ways uh, to, to get you started off today. The first one is this, make it obvious, right? If you want to start a new habit, make it obvious. I'll give you an example for, from my own life. Um, as I've gotten older, I realize that uh, my body needs supplements that I'm not getting through diets. So there's different things that, that I've, I've learned. I've tried to get on different regimens. Um, and I've never really been successful at taking them regularly. I even got one of those really... I call them old people pill boxes, you know, like you have the whole daily supplements in it. You got, um, and I just was never, I would never get into, because it would always end up in a drawer or a, a closet somewhere, and then I would forget about it, you know. And so what I've learned that to make it obvious, I now put my supplements, the one I want, right in front of the, uh, the bed stand, right where I am. So like every morning I wake up, it's the first thing I see. So it's really hard for me to miss it. Now that seems like silly, but it's, it's that simple. Just make it obvious right? Put it somewhere. So if you want to read your Bible every day, right? Don't hide your Bible away on the bookshelf or in a drawer or under the bed. Put it where you go every morning. Like put it in the bathroom. I don't know. That's probably not a good place for it, but put it on the kitchen table or put it next to the coffee pot or whatever it is. A place that you're going to go every morning. The first thing you see is your Bible, which will then be the cue, the visual cue to remind you. So make it obvious, right? So, so for instance, if... Um, you know, maybe you want to start working out, right? Uh, this is a friend told me this once. You know how he started? He would put his, his uh, workout shoes by the door, right? So every time he walked out the door, he'd be reminded, I need to work out. And for weeks, that's all he did. He just put them by the door. Every day he'd get up, he'd put his gym shoes by the door, right? He never got worked out. And then he was like, okay, uh, today I'm going to move, I'm going to put them on. I'm actually going to put them on. And so for weeks, he just would get up, put his gym shoes on. We never work out. And then he would be like, today I'm going to put my gym shoes on and I'm going to walk out the door, right? I'm going to walk out the door. So just make it obvious. If you want to start a new habit, make it obvious. Put it somewhere where you can see it, right? Um, and so it, it just, just, just helps. So that's the first one. Make it obvious. Um, because if you want to change what you do, you've got to change your cues, right? The, the visual things that are, that are triggering those behaviors, whether good or for bad. Um, and then um, the, the second one is make it easy. Right? Make it obvious and make it easy. Again, James Clare in his book, Atomic Habits, he says, to start a new habit, make it under two minutes, something you can do under two minutes. And so he gives us an example. He says, so for instance, maybe you want to start journaling, right? Any of you ever decided, I'm going to start journaling, and you've got this nice new leather-bound journal, and you wake up in the morning, and you look at it, and you're like, ah, and you got nothing, right? You just got nothing. And, and, you're like, and so, so he says, instead of deciding to write four pages you know, a day, I just decide to write a sentence, right? Every day, I'm just going to write one sentence, right? And so make it easy. So you get up in the morning, uh, good morning, Jesus, period. <laughs> I started journaling. I started. It's somewhere. You started. You started small. Uh, you made it obvious. You kept the journal on the coffee table right where you have your coffee, uh, and you just write one sentence. And that one sentence, pretty soon, if you write one, chances are you might write two the next day. And the next day you might write three, and pretty soon you're writing pages, and before you know it, you've written a novel. That's the way it goes, right? Uh, and the same thing, like well, with exercising, the same thing, like put your shoes by the door, right? And then maybe you put the shoes on, and then maybe you step out, you go out of the front door, 
And then maybe you get into your drive and you just do some stretches like this. You know, you're like, ah, oh, okay. All right, that was good. All right. You exercise. You did something, right? And before you know it, maybe you're walking around the block. And then you're running around the block. And before you know it, a month later, you're running a marathon, right? So start small, right? Um, you know, make it obvious. Just do something small. You don't have to have a big step. Something small, make it obvious, and, and then make it easy, right? Don't make it too complicated. Make it easy. Um, one of the things that, 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 you know, Jess and I kind of um, struggled with for a long time early in our marriage was praying together, right? And uh, I, I know a lot of couples know that they should pray together. They want to pray together. It's kind of a desire to pray together. But you just seem like you're busy. You're running out the doors. You never really have time. And so, like, for us, it started really simple. We would just be like, um, you know, like, you know, uh, we'd grab our hand and go like, okay, thank you, Jesus. So just like one thing. You know, just thank you, Jesus, for good health today. Amen. And then, you know, like then we'd add another thank you. you know, thank you, Jesus, for good health and, you know, that our kids are healthy. And then over time, that, those little things began to develop. And then we'd, we'd spend, you know, a, you know, now we have a good routine of praying. Like it's a regular part of our life of praying together. So uh, make it obvious um, and then make it easy. Don't, don't get too complicated. Um, you know, Timothy, uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, physical training. Um, is good, but training for godliness is much better, right? Physical training is good. Like, hope is good, right? You know, you, you want to hope to change. I mean, all of us have things, when I asked the question earlier, most of us had, a, had something come to mind, something very specific that we hope to change. Uh, but, but hope alone won't create change in your life. What will change your life are habits, the things that you do on the daily, right? And, and so... Learning how to create those habits, learning the cues that set you off, either to the good habits or the bad habits, are critically important. Understanding what motivates you, understanding the cycle, this loop that happens, and understanding how it affects your life and where you see your life falling into those patterns is, is the first step of beginning to understanding this process of habits and then of creating new habits in our life. Um, so what is the one habit, right? Um, you want to start based on who you want to become. What's one thing you can begin? Starting small, just a small thing that you can begin to do today, tomorrow, um, that, that will help you become the person that God has desired you to become. And habits normally, this is what I've discovered in my life, um, habits kind of stack on one another. Um, you know, like it, when you start exercising, um, I remember when I first started uh, going to, to, to the gym, the trainer asked a bunch of us, you're like, why are you here? Like, what, what's your motivation? And my motivation was like, I like to eat. And so I, w I know I need to exercise if I want to eat whatever I want to eat, right? And everyone laughed and thought it was funny. And that honestly was the true thing, right? But what I realized after I started working out and putting all that effort in the gym, I started paying much more attention to what I was eating because I was like, I'm doing all this work to get healthy, and then I'm just putting this junk into my body. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. So one good habit, so the habit of exercising then can lead to another habit of, of eating more intentionally and more, more mindfully. Um, and that can add to other habits. And so habits begin to stack upon themselves. And I'm pretty convinced that with Daniel's life, you know, he began that habit of praying. But then he stacked other good habits upon that, habit upon habit upon habit, until he had a life that ultimately produced a life of righteousness. Um, and so we'll talk more about that as we go. Uh, but don't ever underestimate the power of one small habit, how God can use that one small habit in a really big way 
uh, to help shape you to become the person that he has created you to be. Um, hope alone won't make you more like Jesus, um, but your habits will, your daily practices, the things that you do. Um, you know, when I think back over, over the course of the last, I don't know, 30, 30 years of my life or 27 since I've been married, um, Jessica and I, when we first got married, we decided to do a few things that we made habits into our life. One of them was coming to church. Like, that was the one thing we decided after we got married. We were going to find a fellowship, and we were going to just make uh, the gathering of the saints was going to be a part of our life. And for the last 27 years, we show up. Like, it doesn't matter. It's just part of it. We don't even think about it. It's not even a question, are you going to church this week? It's like what we do. It's just like it's what we do. And I know I'm the pastor, but this was long before I was the pastor. In fact, now that I'm the pastor, I probably don't want to come to church as much as I, I used to. Uh, but we just decided that that was something because we wanted to become the people that God wanted us to become. And we knew that we needed other like-minded believers around us to encourage us, to pray for us, to share our burdens. And so we knew what a value this would be. And so that habit has helped shape us to become the couple that we wanted to be. Um, and we're still becoming, right? Um, and uh, another one of those areas was, was just like our, our, with our finances. We, we wanted to become generous people. That was one thing that we had experienced, some generosity in our life from other people. And they were kind of like models for us. And we were like, we want to be like that. When we grow up, that's who we want to be. And, and we want to be like our Heavenly Father who is generous and kind. And so we started the practice, the habit of tithing, of just giving God a percentage. And it was strategic and it was planned. And, it was, and now it's just become something that we do that we don't even think about. It's just on autopilot. We just do it. And, and, and by God's grace, we are becoming more and more generous. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So for you, what is one thing that you can start, one habit you can start uh, this week that will help you become the person that you want to be, right? That you want to become, like that God wants you to become. Because often those things are aligned. I know for, for many of you as I speak to you, the, the kind of people we want to become is what the kind of people God wants us to be, right? And so what is one habit you can start? Because just hoping that one day you'll become generous, just hoping that one day you'll become healthy and, and, and be able to fit into your skinny jeans or whatever your motivation is, right? Just hoping alone, that's not going to get you there. What will get you there are the habits, the things that you do on the daily, those behaviors that eventually become uh, autopilot actions of your life. That was true in Daniel's life, and I know it will be true in your life as well, right? So, so what habit, right, can you start today? Um, and never underestimate, right, never underestimate the power of one small habit. Never underestimate what God can do with that one little habit in your life to radically change you and use it so that you might become the person that he has designed you, created you, wants you to be. Amen? All right. Um, I'm going to invite the team back up, um, and we're going to pray. Can we do that? All right. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your goodness and grace towards us. Um, I thank you for each and every one of my friends here tonight, Lord. Um, I know for a lot of us, there's a, there's a lot in this. Um, a lot of us have some really good habits entrenched in our lives that, that are producing fruit, and we see it. Um, but there are also some other things. I know this is true in my life, that habits, um, behaviors that have become entrenched in my life um, that I want to change. Um, and I know that just hoping to change them is not going to do it. Um, but it's the actual things that I, I put into action, the habits, the, the decisions that I make on the daily um, that will get me there. So give us wisdom in this, Lord Jesus. Uh, give us inspiration. Um, I'm so grateful that you do not leave us alone in this. 
but it's your power um, working through us that empowers us as the how. Um, I pray for each one of us that we would have a spiritual why, why we want to change. We, we would have a vision of the people that you have created us to become. Um, and that would, that would move us, that would drive us, that would give us the motivation um, to, to begin implementing some of these things. And then give us wisdom on how to do that, that we'd, make, we'd, we'd just choose something attainable so we don't get frustrated and lose hope. Uh, you'd give us the ability to just find that one thing and I pray even now, Lord, for each of us, that you would drop something in our spirit right now. Uh, the one thing that we can uh, begin implementing, a habit that we can begin um, that will help us become who you have created us to be. Lord, do this all, I pray, for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.